0: Brother. Turn if you would to Luke chapter ten and verse thirty-eight. Luke chapter ten and verse thirty-eight. I feel like we've had a, a, a few sermons as we've been singing, like we're we're teaching when we're singing. We're we're teaching about what matters most. So One of the reasons we think through everything that we do on Sunday is because we want to communicate all I have is Christ. We want to communicate Jesus is the best thing among the many things that we can spend time doing. Jesus is the main thing. And the title of my message today is Seeking Jesus in a Distracted World. And we can often be so busy and so distracted in the world that we miss the main thing. So let's come before the Lord as we consider that. And let's just ask for the Lord to help us and encourage us and help us get our hearts around this passage of Scripture in Luke. Heavenly Father God, we thank You for Your faithfulness. Lord, I I thank You that One thing is needed, and You have given us that. One thing is necessary, and You have sent us the One who will satisfy, the One who will sustain, the One who will redeem, the One who will renew. And we thank You for King Jesus, and I thank You for Your Word that we get to sit and drink in the Word of God. And it is the very words of life to us. So Father, open each and every one of our hearts now. May You bring a better Word than the one I've prepared. May You bring a Word that is heaven sent, Spirit wrought, that is prophetically sharp, that, that, that pierces into the, the heart, that divides between the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and gives us the medicine we need. And Father, I pray that Your Spirit would illuminate our minds as we enter into the Scriptures. Lord, may we behold You. May we taste and see that You are good. And Father, I just pray that You would bless us today and awaken us to what You have to say in this passage and that it would move and stir us into action. That it would stir us into response. That it would stir us into a deeper committed walk to Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that you would bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. We live in a world just filled with distractions, filled with many diversions and things. I mean, we carry around in our pockets computers that have access to all the information um, on so many different levels around the world. And it's even listening to you when you've got a question and all of a sudden, you know, it pops on the screen when you go to look something up and it's like, oh, well, I guess Surya was listening to me on that one. And, and, and so we have information at our fingertips. We have streaming platforms galore. We have movies to watch and shows to binge and we have all sorts of sporting events to go to and And there's just myriads of things for us to do. And that's not counting all the stuff of just the regular busyness of life, right? Paying bills, fixing the car, going to school. There's just so much for us to do and so much for us to think about. And our minds can become sometimes fractured and split between so many different things. And in our passage today, we're going to learn that one thing is needed. There are many good things to be spending our time doing, but one thing is absolutely necessary. And sometimes it's actually saying no to some good things to allow us to do the best thing, to allow us to spend the time doing the best thing, the one thing that's needed, that's a skill that will change our lives. Because it's not bad to pay the bills. It's not bad to serve your family. It's not bad to prepare a meal. It's not bad to live life doing things. So this passage before us is very familiar. Mary and Martha, we all know the story. And you can anticipate the application, right? I don't want to be like Martha. I, I want to be like Mary. And Martha's doing all the serving, and so all the Marthas in here were kind of like, <laughs> I don't know, like this is bad for me. This he's coming for me today. But ultimately, it wasn't really about serving's bad and sitting at Jesus' feet is good. It was about getting so distracted with the serving. Getting so consumed with the serving, getting so distracted with a good thing that it became a bad thing because you missed the main thing. And that's what we're learning today in our passage. And I, I always think when I think about busyness and being bivocational, you know, I know a few things about busyness, but some of you are, are working six-day works weeks and you know. When it hits five o'clock, you keep going. You know, some of us here probably sleep four hours a night. I once read that the average American sleeps two hours less than's necessary. And so we just think about all the stuff that we have to do. And we're being reoriented in this passage to not forget the main thing in the midst of the busyness. Because when you got the main thing right, it fuels everything else. And I was thinking of the amazing plate spinner, you know? And you've all seen that kind of idea where the guy's got little rods going up in the air and he starts spinning the plates and then he adds another one and spinning the plates and he adds another one and pretty soon he's got like five plates going up there and and as soon as one slows down he's got to spin it again and spin it again and spin it again and and sometimes we can think of our life can be like that we're just spinning plates spinning plates I've got to spin the plate of work I've got to spin the spin the plate of parenting spin the plate of sports Spin the plate of budgeting. And pretty soon, we just get kind of wobbly and we've got to attend to this, but then this one's falling and then it all comes crashing down. And sometimes we call that a nervous breakdown. Sometimes we call that just losing your cool. Sometimes we call that just being completely discouraged because we're under the weight of so much to do. So let's get help as as we... Learn from Jesus, and we learn from this passage about how to negotiate just those realities and keep the main thing the main thing. And let's look at Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. And you all know this story. It begins like this Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Or, yeah, welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion which shall not be taken from her. This passage has the ability, has the profundity to change your life forever. Because all of us can sympathize with Martha on some level. It's like, Martha's trying to get it done. Martha's trying to do the work. And she probably sees Mary and is just like, what is she doing? She's doing nothing. She's doing nothing. She's just sitting at Jesus' feet. And she got so worked up that she had to realign her priorities, or Jesus had to realign them for her. And one of the things that I want us to think through is just, Really, there's kind of three steps to the progression of this story. The first thing we see is devotion to Jesus. The second thing we see is distraction from Jesus. And then the third thing we see is sort of a reorientation or rediscovering what's the main thing. And that's the kind of progression I want us to kind of think through this. So you can see it right here in in, in verse 38 and 39, devoted to Jesus. Mary is devoted to Jesus. Look at 39. It says, And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. And sometimes we forget, like Mary and Martha have been around the Gospels a little bit, they're actually in Jesus' wider circle of followers and they show up in John chapter 11 and every time you see Mary and you see Martha Mary is sitting at Jesus feet worshiping and Martha is serving and Martha is commended for her serving in many other passages it's just like a highlight and it's only here that we see a rebuke happen so what's happening is the focus is coming and just like telescoping on Mary for a moment so we can see the kind of heart she has. Because she comes to Jesus and she sits in the position of a disciple. Disciples sat at Jesus' feet. That's what they did. They sat at His feet, listened to His teaching, and they followed Him as Lord. They had given up a life of fishing. They had given up a life that they're... Prior occupations they were done with and they were following Jesus with their entire life. And Mary, what's striking about this passage is Mary is a woman and that's not usually the, 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 the way that discipleship occurred in the ancient world. You didn't have female disciples. Jesus did. Jesus called women to follow Him. Jesus called men to follow Him. Jesus calls every one of us Old and young, moms and dads, grandpas and grandmas, to follow King Jesus. He calls all of us to follow him. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. Lay down your, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. So Mary is just right off the bat, sitting and listening to Jesus' words. She's drinking in the words of Christ. She's listening. She's paying attention to what he's saying. She has a commitment to hear Jesus as the most important person speaking into her life. She's committed to the fellowship Christ and you see it in in John chapter 12 and verses 1 to 3 this is another account of her just sitting at Jesus feet six days before Passover Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was whom Jesus had raised from the dead so they gave a dinner from for him there and Martha served and that's a good thing and then Lazarus was one of them reclining at table And Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped His feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. So, one of the greatest moments in the Gospels is when Jesus commends Mary and says, forever people will remember her because she anointed my feet. She gave what was most valuable to her and broke it over Jesus' feet and anointed Him for His burial. It was like a sign the cross was coming. It was a sign that Jesus would go to the cross to redeem His disciples, to save His people, to rescue His people. And she's... As a disciple following Jesus gives us a glimpse into total devotion to Christ. She sits at His feet and gives what is most costly to her to point to the cross. And she probably didn't know ultimately how significant that act was. But Jesus reminds us It was so significant that it will be remembered forever. And it was chronicled in the Scriptures. So, I'm just like, I'm after Mary's heart because Mary's heart is a posture of submission and leaning into King Jesus. And we often sometimes just think of like opening up our Bibles And reading as drudgery. It's like we're going to open up our Bibles and now I'm going to hit the snooze button. right? Or we've had so many times where we've wanted to get into God's Word and it's just been hard. It's got crowded out from all the other stuff. But devotion to King Jesus is primary and that's what Mary is helping us see. Like She took time to sit at Jesus' feet. And it wouldn't have been unusual. Jesus is the house guest coming in right and he's coming in what are you going to do just leave him over in a corner of course you're going to, it's like somebody's got to be with Jesus so mary's not doing anything like lazy but ultimately and we'll get to the martha thing but ultimately what we're seeing here is mary is showing us a picture of discipleship what does it mean to be a disciple this whole passage is about discipleship about what it means to follow and commit your life to Jesus. And sometimes we read it just like, hey, Mary's doing the good thing, and Martha's doing the bad thing, and it has nothing to do with discipleship. But all through the passage, if you see, um, look at verse 3, it says, And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to His teaching. And then verse 40 says, Lord, do you not care? And then verse 41 says, But the Lord answers. So all through this passage, we're being keyed in like this is Jesus. He's the Lord. There's nobody else who's Lord. He's the Lord of all. And there's something unique about him, about his person, that makes him the most important thing in life. And sometimes it's very easy. To like amen that, but when it comes to the priorities of our life and what they reflect, how much of what we do in any any given day reflects devotion to King Jesus? If we were living in the Ukraine right now, how much would change in the way you viewed life? Jesus becomes preeminent. Death is all around you. Life and death realities. But the same is true here with or without a war. That's what this passage is teaching. Like One thing's needed, and Mary chose it. She chose the good portion. And disciples, really what they've done is they've turned away from their former life, living in sin, living for self, and they've turned towards Jesus and committed their life in faith to follow Him as King of kings. As the only person that can rescue them, satisfy them, give them peace, help them reorder their lives in the midst of a distracted, diverted, confusing, contorted world. And some of us sometimes can feel so distracted and so contorted. Point number two. Distracted from Jesus. So we're going to see that in verse 40. As you look at it, it says, but Martha... Notice the contrast, right? Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. Listening to his teaching, but Martha, but Martha was distracted with much serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. It's like the Luke is trying to cue us in on something that's happening here. There's a distractedness about Martha it's not the serving, it's the distraction that's the issue. There's something that's, that's pulling her apart. And that word distraction is the same word for anxiety. It's the same word for fretting. It's the same word and it kind of has the idea of being pulled apart. I remember I got a, a, a new pair of shoes and these were supposed to be real comfy and they were. I love them. And within a month, all the stitching started to come undone these things were so comfortable and then they're like unraveling around my foot and just bit by bit pulling apart till till my toes are like shooting out and i'm just like this is ridiculous they're just unraveled and that's the picture she's unraveling she's coming undone stitch by stitch you can almost see it in the account it's like she's serving and she's a, she's a hospitable host come on in jesus And then all of a sudden, stitch by stitch, you can imagine it, right? She's making food. She's got the muffins in the oven. She's got the turkey going. She's basting. She's doing all the stuff. The cheese spreads, you know, going out in the platter and she's rolling stuff for the the meats. Got the cold cuts out. Oh, but the floor looks a little dirty. We got to take care of that. We can't have Jesus. This is King Jesus. I don't want Him walking on a dirty floor. So I'm going to go do that. And then, you know what? What's that smell? There's some kind of smell in the back. We're going to go take care of that. And, and then ultimately, all these things on her to-do list start coming up to the surface. And it's no longer like Jesus is already here. It's like, no, I've got to get this done. I've got to get this done. Check one, check two, check three. And pretty soon, she's starting to get agitated. She doesn't even see Jesus anymore, really. She sees all the stuff she's got to do. The serving. The getting ready. Have you ever been there where it's like, I've got to get that. We've got company coming over. We've got to get this thing locked and loaded. And you're angry before it even kicks off. Frustrated. Distracted. Have you been there with, with Martha? It's like, tell them that somebody's got to help me. <laughs> you know? And ultimately, um, we all have these sorts of things pulling at us, pulling us apart. Whether we're preparing a home or whether we've got pending things to do at work. Maybe you got stuff on the farm. There's a laundry list of things to do. We got another tractor that went down, and another tractor. And you know what? That crop's not looking good. We gotta tend to that. And then I've got to think about all the other things that i got to do on top of that. I haven't even budgeted for this year. And we begin to get pulled apart. And Jesus is kind of non-existent in all of that. And so Martha gets to that point where she's just ready to erupt. Verse 40. And she goes up to Him. (laughs) You know, if... If you're me, like, when, you're, when you start rebuking Jesus, you're in a bad place, right? So, like, she goes up to him and she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Tell her then to help me. So she's rebuking Jesus. And notice the word, don't you care. You know what anxiety is? It's cares. It's cares that are unchecked that go and revolve and start spiraling out of control. And it's like, i got to do this. I care about this and this and that and that. And Martha's anxiety is trying to spill out onto Jesus. And Jesus is not going to be taken over by that. Martha has cares, but her cares come from misplaced priorities. She's missed the fact that the guest is here. She's missed the reality that hospitality it's been said has the word hospital in it Hospitality, and hospitals are a place for people to get refreshed and get well and get healed and so when you have people over when you're trying to be hospitable you want to refresh them you don't want to make them feel anxious you don't want your anxiety to bleed out all over them You don't want them to be like, you know, like feeling like they got to comfort you for every single thing that's wrong in the house. Sometimes it's okay to leave a few things undone in order to make your home a hospital. In order to focus on Jesus. In order to not turn this opportunity for uh, hospitality into. A manifesto of rage. And we've all been there, right? We've all gotten angry because things didn't go our way, and we and we got frustrated, and Jesus got crowded out of everything we were doing. Maybe he had good intentions. As one person pointed out, like hospitality should refresh, not rebuke your guest right? Hospitality is a welcome, to bless. And so ultimately, Mary has missed it. Lord, do you you care about this lazy bum of a sister I have just sitting here at your feet? She's just like lazy. She's just listening to you. (laughs) You know, like it sounds bad when you say it out loud, right? You're just sitting there reading your Bible. Why don't you get up and do something? But maybe, maybe if I bring this home a little bit, maybe we need to start out our day drinking in the words of Jesus so we're not so distracted in a world that's trying to pull us apart. Maybe if we drink in the words of Christ, maybe if we sit at Jesus' feet, maybe if we actually prioritize Him, ultimately, like we're going to be able to speak into situations and actually be a blessing. We're going to be walking hospitals to people. Pointing them to the great physician who can actually help them. Mary knew what was going on. She knew what was needed. And something had gone wrong in Mary's heart and serving became a drudgery instead of a delight. Instead of feasting on the words of Jesus, she was preparing a feast that turned into a mess. And she took the hospital out of hospitality. And we just need to be warned that that very thing can happen to us. One commentator put it like this. He said, serving is good and necessary, but Martha has lost the truth that all service must flow out of one's relationship with the Lord, and that all service must be rooted in the joy of knowing God as one's treasure and pleasure. So when the service is rooted in a relationship with Jesus where you're feasting on Him, it's energized. It's fueled. You're you're, you're able to serve more when you do more sitting at the feet of Jesus. You sit so you can serve. And so maybe if, if you're feeling like, man, my service has just gotten mechanical, stale, drudgery, I'm anxious all the time, I'm frustrated... Maybe it's an indicator, it's like a a beacon going off in your mind. I need to sit at the feet of Jesus and drink in his words. Point number three rediscovering the main thing. Let's look at verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha. Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion which shall not be taken away from her. So here comes Jesus' kind, gentle reply. And whenever somebody says Martha, Martha, or Peter, Peter, you know, like in, in, in Hebrew, that was, that was a, a an affectionate, sort of opportunity where Jesus is coming affectionately. It's not like He's ready to like pounce on her. He's lovingly seeking to redirect her. Martha, Martha, you're worried about many things. You're troubled. You're worried about stuff. You're being pulled apart. You're being distracted. But I want to tell you something. The Lord is speaking to Martha and saying, I want to tell you something. One thing. Is needed. One thing is necessary. One thing. Do we really believe that? Like one thing is needed, and Mary chose the good portion, and it shall never be taken from her. Do we approach our quiet times thinking one thing is needed? Do we approach our Bible intake one thing is needed? Do we approach worship? Gathering on Sundays or gathering on Wednesdays. One thing is needed. It's not to exclude the other things, but to prioritize the main thing. And often, life in Christ is about keeping the main thing the main thing. Because once it doesn't become the main thing, you begin to unravel. You begin to get drained by your Busyness and your spiritual gas tank just gets depleted. And what do you do? What do you do? How do you get it full? How do you how do you get the gas in? And Jesus is more than just gas for your serving. Jesus is a whole hospital himself who can refresh you. He's the one who said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many to rescue them, to redeem them, to heal them. And maybe you are here today and you need the healing of Jesus in your heart. Maybe you've heard a lot about Jesus your whole life, but you've never experienced the healing. You've never been to the hospital. Or maybe you're in Christ, but you've been pulled apart and you need Jesus to kind of put you back together. Humpty Dumpty, right? Well, Jesus is in the the business of putting Humpty Dumpties back together again. Amen? No matter how busy your schedule is, no matter how hard life gets, no matter how much, Jesus cuts through all the busyness and says, I'm the main event, and I want you to come. Martha, Martha, you're troubled. You're anxious. You're pulled apart about so many things. But guess what? One thing's needed. And Mary has chosen that good thing. And it shall not be taken. Mary's chosen the good portion. Notice that in verse 42. Psalm 119 says, The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words when you sit at Jesus' feet, you fill up with His words, man, you can sense the fuel coming into your life when you do that. When you get to a place where Jesus is just like everything else that's crowding Him out, and you're drinking Him in, and you're listening into His words, and you're sitting before Him, there's no better thing in life than to taste and see the Lord is good. Jesus once put it another way. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It's like if you get that first priority right, everything else falls into place. It's like buttoning your shirt in the morning. You know, you get one of those buttons off and and it's just... It's nasty looking. It's like janky and everything's all over the place. And and that's not a good look when you walk out the door like that. Just one button out of alignment and everything's a mess. And ultimately, Jesus is saying that to Mary. And He's saying that to you. And He's saying that to me. Put the main thing as the main thing. And the main thing is to follow Jesus as a disciple, Sitting at his feet, hearing his words. And there are many ways we're going to talk about how to do that. But we just need to get our hearts around this because this is like, this is coming out of the Psalms too. It's everywhere in the Bible. One thing have I asked, Psalm 27 says, One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. David once said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. I mean, I'd rather just be a servant kind of answering the door in Jesus' house than, than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Why? Because it's Jesus is the best thing. Jesus is life. Jesus is joy. Jesus is satisfaction. He's the Good Shepherd. He's the One who laid down His life for His sheep to bring them into green pastures. To to, to tell them, hey, you're going through hard things. You're going through the valley of the shadow of the death. Do not fear, for I am with you. My rod and my staff comfort you. My my cup can overflow if if I'm drinking in the words of Christ. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23. It's just, it's everywhere because the Lord wants to call us out of distracted living and living in diversions. Sometimes we think of like recreation as like I need to distract myself so I can feel better about where I'm at. And recreation means to recreate, it means to actually get restored it it means to actually get rejuvenated and typically the diversions we go to whether it's binging netflix or whether it's gaming or youtube or whatever it might be like those things don't rejuvenate but when you drink in christ's words when you spend time praying and get in your closet with the lord man those are the ways that you rejuvenate your soul And it doesn't matter if you're in high school or you are living, working hard on the farm or you're basically most of the time caring for the affairs of the house. you got to get your heart wrapped around Jesus and get recreated. And if you see signs in your life of coming apart at the edges, you need to taste and see once again that the Lord is good. And be reminded of the help He brings. And that will never be taken from you. That's what that passage says at the end. Verse 42. Mary chose the good portion and it will never be taken from her. So let's close with a couple applications of this. Number one, reprioritize your life to make Jesus the main thing. We've seen it all over the text. Seek the kingdom and His righteousness first. Mary's chosen the good portion. So when you pull out your schedule, when you pull out your daily planner, when you think about your day, what needs to be reprioritized to make Jesus first? When you put Jesus first, then everything falls into place. It's the buttons, right? What button needs to go first in your schedule? Whom have I in heaven but You? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides You. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forevermore. So perhaps one day a week, maybe, you go without Facebook. Put your iPhone in a drawer. Pull out your Bible. Maybe you, you have a fast from something that's good, for a little bit so that you can focus on something that's better. Getting the main thing, the main thing. When we open up our schedules, what does our devotional time really look like? Five minutes? Ten minutes? Fifteen minutes? we got to think, like are we giving Jesus leftovers? I know that even in a busy schedule, sometimes that stings to hear like maybe we haven't prioritized Jesus, but we need to hear it. That's the that's the whole call of this text. Like get the buttons right. Number two, commit to reading your Bible regularly. That's the very first thing we see Mary doing. She sits at Jesus' feet and she listens to His words. That's the Bible. So I just want to ask us, are we regularly committed to reading the Bible on some level? Are we committed to pondering and drinking in and meditating and thinking upon? Do we have a a plan maybe to even memorize a, a verse a week or maybe a verse a month? Just think about that. One verse a month, that's 12 verses a year. And you start building food. You start storing up those acorns. And you're going to need them when things hit. You're going to need them when an invasion hits Ukraine, right? What word do you have swirling around in your soul that's going to steal you in the midst of such conflicts and such tragedies? We need to come and drink the words of the Lord. Psalm 119 says just this, the Lord is my portion and I promise to keep your words. I remember learning this early on in my walk with the Lord. I was probably a Christian for about six months, maybe eight months. And I really felt a strong conviction like I need to read my Bible. But I also felt like I love to watch movies. I loved movies and I watched them all the time and and I had a huge collection and I just sensed the Lord, you know, was like, just get rid of all that stuff and commit to reading the Bible through in a year. You know, I just, I felt that conviction. I remember my first Bible teacher told me like, you don't really own the Bible in your hands until you've actually read it all the way through. Then you own it. And I was like, oh, I want to own it. You know, so I got rid of all my movies. And I started reading through the Bible. I didn't really know anything. You know, I wasn't raised in Sunday school. I didn't have any of that. And I'm I'm like learning these stories afresh. I'm like, he did what? Jesus is awesome. You know, I'm just seeing these stories. Like he he fed 5,000 with loaves and fishes. He's walking on water. He's casting out demons. He's healing lepers. This is Jesus we get to learn about. And I was just fired up and i started sharing this you know i'm i'm just like loving drinking in the word peter said to jesus at one point when when jesus was like are y'all going to go away and peter's like where could we go you have the words of life like where are we you're the christ where are we going to go it wasn't like netflix what you know like this was king jesus i want to drink in his words so, maybe download the YouVersion app on your iPhone and get a Bible reading plan together and something that works for you. Maybe pull out a physical Bible reading plan. Whatever you've got to do, but, but commit to it. Point number three. Prioritize. Prioritize coming to Sunday morning and even Wednesday nights if you can prioritize the gathering of God's people where you actually hear God's Word. Where you actually get to sit at the feet of Jesus and you hear God's Word. When you hear God's words preached, you're edified. Many of you are like, hey, man, I'm just so filled up on Sunday. I'm encouraged. I'm ready to go out. Conquer the world. And then we get in through the week and it's like about midweek and we're just like, Martha, help. You know, it's like we're distracted. We're pulled apart. We're feeling like we need a little help. So I encourage you come to our Wednesday night meetings. Come to the prayer meetings. Come to the place where you're where you're praying and coming before the Lord and 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 gathering and get energized. So prioritize coming and gathering as believers, but number 4, and this one I just think is is really profound for us in our uh are sort of sometimes we do a cost-benefit analysis on you know do I want to do this application or not like this one this one's built in for you if that's where you're at like should I do this one commit your life to following Jesus as a eternal investment like it's not just now you're going to get blessed that's true but you're storing up treasure in heaven What what does Jesus say to Mary? Mary's chosen the good portion and it shall never be taken away. She's going to take it with her. Nothing else in life will last. No job will last. No health will ultimately last. Even those we love dearly will one day be taken in this life. But what we do for Jesus and our relationship with Jesus and knowing Jesus will last forever. And that's an eternal investment. And that's why Mary was just like hanging on every word of Christ. He's the medicine I need. He's the One who's going to take me into glory. Of course I want to be with Him. We can't take our clean houses with us. We can't take our 401K with us. We can't take even our most prized accomplishments in this life beyond the grave. But what we have done for Jesus and our knowledge of Jesus and our fellowship with Jesus is going to go on forever. If you feast on Jesus now, you'll be feasting with Him forever. So we've seen devotion to Christ. We've seen distraction from Christ. And we've seen the one thing that's needed. And we've dialed this in a little bit. And I just want to encourage you as we're thinking about these truths, I just want us to be reminded like Jesus actually said in the parable of the sower, He said one thing about the cares of this world that would take our hearts away from Him. He said... He called it like the seed that fell on thorny ground. He said, there's others that are sown on thorny ground. Those are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world, just everyday busyness, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entered in and choked the word and it proved unfruitful. So let that be a warning to us It's disastrous to neglect drinking in the words of Jesus and coming to Jesus and devoting and committing your life to Jesus. And it's been said ultimately that more people go to hell through busyness than even unbelief because they're too distracted for Jesus. They're too caught up in the world. And this text is calling us back to put the main thing as the main thing. And so if you're there today, I would encourage you to turn towards Christ. Turn away from the tyranny of the urgent and turn to King Jesus for help. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank You for this time. I thank You for Your faithfulness. And Lord, ultimately, I. I realize, Lord, that we, we all have busy schedules. We all have a crowded, filled schedule, and we live in, in a distracted world. And, and Father, I realize that, that many of us, myself included, have been struck to the heart. Because we know we've got to reprioritize what matters most. And I just pray for those of us who are believers and and we've, we've, we've really wrestled with this. And sometimes it just feels hopeless. And I just pray that this wouldn't be a, a message where it's just like, oh, that sure sounds good, but it's just not real life. But God, would You help us to get it in every grain, every fiber of our being that Jesus is better than anything else. That j- time spent with Jesus is worth it. That time spent with Jesus is an eternal investment. And Father, I just pray that You would awaken us so the main thing, the glorious thing, and that we would just once again fall in love with sitting at the feet of Jesus and drinking in His words. And maybe for the one who's here and just doesn't know if they've ever really committed to Jesus at all. They want Jesus to be a hospital for them, but they just don't know how. And I just pray for them right now, Lord, that, that they would begin to say, I'm, I'm turning away from my former way of doing it. I'm turning away from the unraveling. I'm turning away from the distractedness. I'm turning away from being pulled every which way but loose. And Lord, I'm just coming to You. I'm coming to You afresh. I'm coming to You as the One who can save me. I'm coming to You the one, uh, the One who went to the cross. The One who gave His life as a ransom for me. And if that, that's You, if You're there, if the Spirit has been speaking to you, you just call out right now and just say, Lord, please save me. Please rescue me. Please heal me. Please just envelop me as a hospital for my soul. I believe You died for my sins. I believe You rose from the dead. And I believe You can help me today come into my life. So Father, would You do that? in our hearts, and would you minister to our souls as we continue to worship and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.